Hey, this is Caleb Clay, Associate Pastor of Anchor Faith Church here in Valdosta, Georgia. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We believe that it will minister to you and be a blessing to your life. Now get ready to receive a word from God. Fellowship is an element of church. Some people like the worship aspect, and some people are just real big into worship and praise and, and uh, 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 you know, going to different worship conferences and worship concerts and hearing worship teams, but without the church uh, behind it, it's only an element. It's not the fundamental part. Some people like the outreach aspect. Some people like to go and reach people. Some people like to go and, and they love uh, the, the outreach portion, reaching people that are far from God, reaching people that don't know Jesus, reaching people that are not in the four walls. Uh, but let me tell you that outreach is done best through the church, not without the church. Amen. And so we got to recognize that, that God has a vision and a plan for his church, for, for the church, and uh, we may have an emphasis, uh, each of us in this room, I probably hit multitudes of, of different people on one of those four aspects, but we've got to love the church as a whole. We've got to love the church as a whole, and we can't create environments that only cater to the thing we like about church. Amen. And so this is, the local church is the answer for a lost and dying world. Did you know that? It absolutely is. This right here, what we do uh, every Sunday and every Wednesday, and I don't want to limit it to just Sundays and Wednesdays. Somebody asked me one time what our outreach program looked like, and I said, well, it runs, operates Monday through Friday. It operates in Cheddar's after service, and it, it operates in Target, and it operates on soccer. Why? Because outreach just means that the church is going out of the building, of the four walls, because, you know, this, this isn't a church. This building is just metal and drywall and concrete and, and a little bit of electrical and, and all kinds of other different things that make up this place. But this place could be anything. Today, right now, it operates as a church, but it could be anything. The church is a church because you're here. The church came to 416 Dale Drive today. We are the church. And so the church doesn't just, we don't have, uh, you know, opening hours from 10 to 12 on Sunday and, 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 you know, seven to eight on Wednesdays and then office hours. No, the church is always open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year until Jesus returns. The church is the answer for the world, a lost world. So we need all the elements. We need the teaching and we need the fellowship and the connections and we need the worship and, and, and the praising and the lifting up of his name. And then we need the outreach and the, and the connecting with the world that, that's not inside these walls today. But you are the greatest outreach program we have. You really are. You get to preach to people Monday through Friday that I will never see. I may never see. I don't get to, I, I get to preach to this room today and the ministry that's going forth in, in our children's ministry, but the people you connect with and the people you minister to this week is an extension of what God's doing in this building. Amen? So let's, let's not lose sight of that. Turn with me, to, if you will, to Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three. And for those of you um, that been with us for a while, familiar with what's going on. We're getting ready to host a conference here in a couple weeks. Amen. Kingdom Rise Conference. And if, and, uh, if you are new with us, man, it's just an honor and privilege 
to have you in the house of God today. It's an honor and privilege to have you with us, part of our family, and um, we're just excited uh, that you chose to be at Anchor Faith Church this morning. I know I've met a few people. I see some, some new faces, and um, we're just thankful that you woke up this morning and said, I'm going to Anchor Faith Church, and we're glad you're here and glad that you are here and uh, look forward to connecting with you. But we are getting ready to host a conference here in a couple weeks, and over these next two messages, uh, I've got two more Sundays to minister to you before that kicks off on Wednesday, October 10th. Wednesday, October 10th, and then Thursday and Friday, we're gonna have uh, morning and evening sessions. On Wednesday, we'll just have a 7 p.m. service. Thursday and Friday, we'll have 7 p.m. services, but Thursday and Friday morning, we'll have morning sessions uh, beginning at 9.30. And um, so we invite you to come out. Uh, God's gonna do some amazing things. We've got some powerful ministers coming in, powerful worship team uh, that's gonna be with us from Anchor Faith Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Uh, our home base, our home location. And, and um, what I want to do is I want to kind of start gearing you up for that, start setting an expectation and start setting your minds on what God is doing because I believe that God meets expectation. I believe that God meets expectation. And you see God do a lot of miracles in the Bible for people that maybe didn't have an expectation. I'm reminded of a widow woman uh, that was in a famine land and uh, she was just picking up sticks and getting ready to make a final meal for her and her son. And then the prophet uh, Elijah shows up and says, hey, make me food first. And she's not expecting anything. Her expectation was to eat one more meal and die but God performed a miracle for her. I'm reminded of a man uh, that was laying by a pool called Bethesda and, and Jesus approaches this man. He, he's lame, he can't walk. He's been uh, lame all his life, about 40 years. And uh, the, the trick was that an angel would come down to this pool and would stir the waters. And if he could get in the water uh, in, in time, one person would get healed and he could just never manage to get in there quick enough. And, and this man, if you read the account, doesn't even know who Jesus is. You know, many times people approach Jesus and will call him Lord or call him teacher or call him, uh, you know, uh, son of God and those kind of things. Um, some recognized him as Messiah, not very many. And uh, this man says, sir. The only time Jesus is called sir, no expectation. But I see a lot of times where there is an expectation like a woman who's pressing through the crowd, uh, like Jairus who comes uh, to, to Jesus and, and like the Roman centurion that comes to Jesus and says, my, my servant is at home dying and I know that if you just speak the word, you don't even have to come see him. If you just speak the word, he will be healed. There's expectation and I believe that we need to live in a realm of expectation. I'm thankful that God can move on my behalf when I expect nothing and when I'm actually going the opposite direction, but I want to live in a realm. I believe believers ought to live in a realm of anticipation and expectation, and it's amazing what God can do when we have just a little bit of faith. Last week, we talked about mustard seed faith because it's not about the size of the seed. It's about what the seed can do when it's placed in the right environment but when we take our mustard seed faith and we cast it in places where it cannot grow, then it stays a mustard seed. So we want our faith to grow. We want our expectation to rise. And Colossians chapter three, verse one, I believe is a, is a faith verse. It's a verse that gets us to see differently. 
See, most of the time, we live our lives trying to see something different. When God is not trying to necessarily get us to see something different, he wants us to see the same thing differently with a different perspective, with a different outlook, with a a different focus. And here in Colossians chapter three and verse one, if then you were raised with Christ, do I have any raised with Christ believers in the house? Look at those hands. If then you were raised with, with Christ, seek those things which are above. Seek means to earnestly gaze at. Seek means to look after with intent. Seek uh, means to attentively focus on. Seek is not casual. When you are seeking something, you don't just happen to come upon something. When you're seeking for something, you're earnestly looking after whatever you're seeking for, whatever you are searching for. Seek those things which are above. This shows intentionality. This shows a focus, if you will. You're not seeking if you're not focused. You're not seeking if you're distracted. You're not seeking if if you are separated between all kinds of different things. He says, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Sitting at the right hand of God. The right hand of God is a position of possibility. That's what I like about the right hand of God. The right hand of God is a position where we can make it happen. It may not be that way, but we're gonna, we're gonna see it that way. Sitting at the right hand of God is, is a position where broken things are, are made new and, and where sick things are healed and, and, and where lack is turned into to prosperity. That's the right hand of God. The right hand of God is not a broken position. The right hand of God is not, uh, I hope it works out or you know, let, let's just try it and see what happens. The right hand of God is definitive. It is conclusive. It is, it is the, the position that God has placed Jesus in to get the job done. That's the right hand of God. What you put at your right hand, you put with intentionality and with with an intention to get it fixed. That's why Ephesians tells us that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father and every name that is named is, is beneath him, is under his feet, Ephesians chapter one tells us. And you know what's the cool thing about Jesus sitting at the right hand of God? is that Jesus went to heaven, but his body stayed here. Yeah, you better get this. Don't walk out of here without getting this. Jesus went to heaven, but his body stayed here. The body of Christ, the body of Jesus is you and I. So the head contains the will factor and the purpose factor and the reason factor. That's what takes place in the head. But the body, guess what? Performs the function. Gets the will done. So Jesus can sit in heaven with his will and with his intent. Isn't Isn't that what Matthew chapter six says? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is. It's already done in heaven. That's why the right hand of of the Father is final. You can't change what what is in heaven. You can't change the way it is. But now Jesus is saying, I want my will done, not just in heaven, but on earth, just as it is in heaven. 
If there's no sickness in heaven, guess what? If there's no lack in heaven, come on, you with me? I start losing people, and we're going to find out why we start losing people. Sitting at the right hand. It doesn't just say Jesus is in heaven. Great, that's awesome. There is a point to stating that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. The right hand of the Father is a position of authority. Authority gets things done. It's tough to do things when you haven't been authorized to do it. But when you've been given the authority, nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you. Have you ever seen a policeman stop a moving vehicle? Not with, not with power, not with the physical ability to stop a, a, a vehicle that's moving at a high rate of speed and that weighs a lot, but he can stop the vehicle with what's on his chest, a badge, a badge that gives him the authority. See, that's the difference between authority and power is you can have power without authority. You can carry a weapon without the authorization to carry a weapon. So you may have the power, but without the authority, you get in trouble. Power used without authority is called illegal. So the devil is operating in the planet, is he not? Do we not see the destruction and the devastation of the God of this world, the ruler of this age, the, 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 the destruction that we see? It's because he has power, but he has not been authorized. He's operating in the earth illegally. And how do you stop people that are operating illegal with authorized agents that have the power with the authority? A power that's greater than his power. A power that's greater than his power. Sometimes we attest more power to the devil than we do to God. And that's because the devil doesn't use us for his power. He uses, uh, uh, God uses us for his power. So what happens is we take the great power of God and then it's funneled through us weak little human beings on this planet with, with, with you know, just, just sitting here hoping that Jesus returns one day. And so then we dumb down God's power to our ability. But that's why it says it's not by might. And it's not by power, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord. It's by his spirit. But he needs you and I. I said he needs you and I. God needs us. He Did you hit my button? You trying to turn me off? I'll scream even louder. Don't turn me off. He needs his body, just like your head needs your body. Try getting up and going to the bathroom without your body uh, complying with the will of your head. Try it. You're going to sit there and you're going to wet your pants and you're going to ruin our chairs. Yeah, your body, your head needs the body to operate. And we are the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus has the will and the purpose and the intent, but he needs the body, the hands and the feet to carry it out. You're the mouthpiece. Jesus is not doing anything in the earth without using you and I. He needed, an, he needed an Abraham to have a child when he couldn't. He needed a Noah to build an ark. He needed a David to kill a Goliath. He needed a Jesus to save man. Okay, so 
sitting at the right hand of God. This is where we're supposed to be seeking. This is where we're supposed to be putting our attention. This is where we're supposed to be earnestly going after. Now look at verse two. How do I seek? He says, set your mind. Set your mind on things above. Set your mind. The word set means fixed. Come on, some of you know this. We've covered this. Set means to be fixed. It means to be immovable. Most most of the time we can categorize people's mentalities and people's mindsets in the world today with, with, not with being fixed and, and, and not with being immovable, but with being shaky and distracted and torn between two. One second we're up and one second we're down. That's why they call it a roller coaster. And a lot of people's minds and thought processes and mentalities are on a roller coaster of life. But Paul is telling us the answer, the answer to seeking those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, is to set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Set your mind, become fixed in your mind. See, you, you, you can't just casually think about it. Setting your mind is not going to church on Sunday. Setting your mind is not getting the you version Bible verse of the day. Those are all great things to have. It's a great place to start. But we, wouldn't, we shouldn't stay where we start. Setting your mind is, is fixing your thoughts. And f- because this is the thing, where you set your thoughts is where you set your life. Your life travels wherever your mind travels. Your life follows the thought process and the mentality and the mindset of, in your mind, in your thinking. You cannot overcome in life until you overcome in your thinking. I, I, can't, I can't change your financial situation until we change your thinking on finances. I could give you a million dollars and if you have a horrible thought process when it comes to, to money and coming to finance and you always operate out of lack, that's all you've ever known, that's where your mind's, you will, you will lose it, you will destroy it. Money, getting more money is not the answer, changing the thinking is the answer. And I can't help you overcome in your body and in your flesh and in your natural life until we first overcome in the mind. This is where the battlefield is. This is where we get defeated. You lose in your mind way before you lose in life. So, I'm instructed, if then you were raised with Christ, that's the qualifier. If you're not raised with Christ, you can't set your minds on things above. You, you, can't, you can't set your mind uh, on, on, on heaven, you know, where Jesus is, where Christ is sitting at the right. There is, there is no way we're getting there. The first step, the first qualifier is to have your, you have your life raised. But, but what a dangerous thing that, that our spirit is raised to a level that our mind never gets to so our life can never follow. See, what happens is, is when you are born again, when you come into the kingdom of God, you are saved 
in your spirit. Instantly. You're saved. In your, in your spirit, man, you are a three-part man, spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is saved instantly. But now, guess what? I have to get my mind there. I heard one person say it this way, that when we get born again, we have to introduce, our, uh, we have to tr- introduce ourselves to our spirit man. I have to learn all about him. I have to learn about who he is. I have to learn about what I'm, what I'm capable of now. I have to learn about how Christ sees me, that I'm not defined by what I go through in life and I'm not defined by my past. I'm not defined by what people think about me and the money that I have and the cars that I drive. I'm defined by who I am in Christ. But you don't know that right off the bat. You learned that. It's called spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is not growing your spirit. Your spirit man is there. It's now cluing in your mind That's why Paul writes over in the book of Romans to renew your mind. Renew. He doesn't say new your mind, which obviously doesn't make sense. He says renew. Re means that you are getting back to something. What am I getting back to? Getting back to who I was before we fell into sin. That's why it's called restore. Restore means to place back the way that it was. I'm trying, trying to go slow for all my, my note takers. So if you're not taking notes, that's why I'm going slow. Usually the people that aren't taking notes want me to speed up and the people that are taking notes want me to slow down. And I see hands breaking and falling off over here. And that's why we record them so you can go back and listen to them again and again and again. This is the fundamental principles. In my spirit, I am saved. In my mind, I'm being saved. In my flesh, I cannot be saved. I'll say that again. In my spirit, I am saved. Instantly. Old things are gone. Behold, all things become new. In my mind, I'm being saved. It takes time. It's called a renewing process. I'm, I'm, I'm introducing myself to myself. I'm getting to know who I am in Christ. I'm getting to know what the word says about my finances, about my marriage, about my family, about my business, uh, about, about my, my peace and my anxiety and, and about fear. I'm learning what the Holy Spirit, uh, who the Holy Spirit is and how he enables me and empowers me to live the kingdom life. I'm learning about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. I'm learning about the gifts of the Spirit. I'm learning how to operate in a new realm, in a new territory called the kingdom of God. But my flesh cannot be saved. That's why Paul says, crucify the flesh. That's why he says, I die daily. Die what? Die to the sin consciousness? Die to the old thoughts and habits? Thought, uh, die to the patterns of this world? You have to die before you can live. That's why a seed goes to the ground and it dies before it can bear fruit. You have to lose your life to save it. And what is it that you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? I die daily. Die to the desires, die to the temptations, die to the, to the agendas, die to my ideas, die to my will because I can't live my will and his will. I have to crucify my will to take on his will. Are you with me? You got to die. Look at your neighbor say, you need to die.
You got to die before you can live. The flesh, Romans chapter 8 tells us, the flesh and the spirit will always be at war with one another. They're always contending. At any moment, you can live for the Lord 50 years and at any moment, fall right back into the flesh, fall right back into its desires, fall right back into its temptations. That's why you have to die daily. That's why Jesus said, you want to follow me? Take up your cross. Take up your cross. Take up your cross. Set your mind on things above not on things on the earth. So we come into the kingdom and now the kingdom life, did anybody notice, and maybe it's just me, that being a Christian, being a believer, going to church, treating people nice, does not exempt you from trial and challenge. Anybody else found that? If you have found the streets of gold down here on earth and, uh, you know, everything works out uh, all the time, just exactly how you thought. See, really, that's the, that's the biggest, what we call trials and challenges, God calls growth. <laughs> because if he did it your way, it would break. If he did it the way we thought it would work, it wouldn't work. So sometimes he will interrupt your plans and he will interject his idea and he will show you a path that seems like it takes you in the opposite direction. Really, he's taking you right to where you need to be and he's bringing you in front of the people uh, that, that you need to be in front of and he's making the connections that you're gonna need so that, so that when you get to where you're going, you can't take the credit. And you don't get the glory. He does. So I'm not exempted from trials and challenges. But where, what, what I have found in the life of a believer is the greatest hindrance to living the kingdom life is perspective. The greatest hindrance to living, it's not sin, it's not the devil, it's perspective. Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis chapter three, they lost their perspective. They lost their perspective of who they were because they traded identity for the kingdom. They lost perspective of their authority over the devil. You know that, that, that God didn't have to do anything to get rid of the devil. They had all the authority. God didn't even warn them about the devil. He didn't even give them a heads up. Watch out. Send them an email with a bunch of exclamation marks in scam alert. He didn't send them nothing. He didn't even, he didn't, all he gave Adam and Eve was his word. His word. And if they simply follow the word, but they lost perspective. We are defeated, not in reality, we're defeated in perspective. We are not defeated in reality. We become defeated in what we think is reality. That's why I said what you think is a challenge 
God calls growth. Because if you would change your perspective, you wouldn't be resisting the very thing that God wants to bring you through to make you who you are to be. And when you lose perspective, you fight the wrong battle. You ever notice that? We start fighting our bosses and our spouses, even our kids. We, we, we start combating things of this world. We, we start trying to build up wealth and treasures on earth when, when God is trying to help us understand that our treasure and our wealth uh, is built up in heaven. And, and we start trying to do all kinds of natural things to cure a spiritual problem. So we fight the wrong battle. Perspective doesn't change the situation. It changes me. Perspective doesn't change the situation. It changes me. Many times when I have struggled to change everything around me, I finally resort to discovering that I'm the one that needed to change the whole time. If you're willing to be honest about it. We've been praying that God would change our financial situation. We've been praying that God would change our marital status and been praying that God, been praying that God would, would change our, our, our employment situation. But at the whole, the whole time, God's really been trying to work on you. But our perspective's off. And what we view as reality isn't really real. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 4 tells me, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 gives me some, some interesting news. Are you getting something today? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though, everyone has an even though. Everyone in this room has an even though. And I know we come to church putting the even though, leaving it at home or you left it in the car. Uh, you know, I, you know I, I, no one's exempt from having the fight in the middle of the parking lot. And then you get out and you walk in the doors and it looks like you just you know, came out of Leave it to Beaver. I think I lost all my millennials on that one. I don't, I don't know. If it's in black and white, you probably ain't seen it. We all have an even though. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being what? Renewed day by day. One's getting weaker, the other's getting stronger. One's getting worse, the other's getting better. Day by day for our light affliction. And, and, and let me tell you, Paul is not talking about light affliction. Go read his resume. If, if that's light affliction, Paul, then they've beat you one too many times. You, you have, you've gone crazy. You've lost it. You don't even know what affliction is. He says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal 
weight of glory. Did you know your affliction is working for you? Your affliction is on the clock. Your affliction is getting a paycheck for working on your behalf. Your affliction is actually setting you up. Your affliction is getting you in position. Your affliction is making you who you need to be. And it's the very thing that we resist and it's the very thing that we reject and we, we begin to work on everybody else when we're the ones that need the work. But our, my light affliction is momentary. That's called perspective. Because, see, this is what allows what kills everybody else to strengthen you. This is what allows what is taking everybody else out to actually just move you right into place. And you see people all around you fall to it and become prey to it but yet it's making you stronger. So what's the key, Paul? How do we change our perspective so that we're not focused on what's outward, but we focus on the inward? So that we focus not on the even though. Verse 18, while we do not look. Underline it, star it, highlight it, circle it, whatever you got to do, while we do not look. At what? The things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The word do not look doesn't mean that you don't see it. It means you don't fix your gaze upon it. What's the key, Paul? When everything else, it, it, when, when things might be crumbling, when, 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 when pressure and challenges and trials arise, how, how, Paul, how, when they're beating your back wide open, how, when you're shipwrecked for days, how, when they stone you and leave you for dead, but then you pop right back up and you go right back into the town preaching, how, Paul, how do you do it? How do you look at what's on the inside rather than what's on the outside? How do you continue to push through the even though I do not Look, I do not gaze upon, I do not fix my attention on. Essentially what he's saying is I've changed my perspective. He's saying, it's not what I see. It's how I see it. It's how I see it. How do you see it? How do you see the struggle? How do you see the trial? How do you see? Now look, there are struggles and there are trials that come upon us because of sin. Let's just address that while we're here. If we don't change the sin consciousness and we don't change the sin life and the sin patterns and the sin agendas, then we cannot void our life of the trials and the challenges that come as a result of sin. And you can, pray, you can try changing your perspective, but if you keep living in sin, you're keeping your perspective stuck. But there are trials and challenges that enter our life as a result of just living righteous. Sometimes you're the disciples and Jesus instructs you to get into the boat and go to the other side. On Jesus' instruction, I'm just doing what Jesus told me. I'm just obeying, right? That's what righteousness is, is honoring the word of the king, living according to the word. I'm just doing what he instructed me to do. 
And guess what shows up? A storm. And guess what Jesus is doing? He's in the boat. Or if you look at another story, he's walking on the water. Both times not moved by the storm because he had a different perspective. It's not your reality that gets you through life. It's your perspective. Your, your situation can change, but your perspective doesn't, and you'll end up right back in the struggle. That means things could be going right for you, and you'll still miss what God is doing. He says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are seen. Paul, you have absolutely lost your mind. You, 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 have, you have been hit on the head too many times. A light affliction, but for a moment, is actually working for me and exceeding an eternal weight of glory. And now you're saying that you look at stuff you can't see and you don't look at stuff you can see. That's what he's saying. He says, for the things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. The word temporary there means subject to change. That means it's but for a moment. But the things that I cannot see, they're eternal. It's that way forever, and there's nothing that can change it. That's what he turned. When something is eternal, nothing can change its status or its record. Nothing can change what it's capable of. Nothing can change. See, healing is eternal. Sickness is temporary. That means the sickness is subject to change, and the healing that is available is always available and will never not be available. It is there for you to undo what the sickness is doing. But what he's asking, what he's saying is, is, is it wasn't a bunch of healing scriptures, which is important, and it, it wasn't a bunch of, you know, getting lay, hands laid on me. It was me changing my perspective. It was me changing how I saw it, not what I saw. What is your, what, what encompasses your thinking? What is, 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 is the, the thing that you engulf your, think, your thinking in the most? Negative? Have you ever met someone that everything is negative all the time and it's always, the, the sky is falling, the world's coming apart, they, they never have anything good to say, and, and man, they could get a million dollars and they still have something negative to say about it. You ever met those people? It's just perspective. This is why I tell people, you're one decision away from victory. And can I tell you this? You would rather be one decision away from victory than one miracle away from victory. Is that too much responsibility? Yeah, because the miracle is all on God, right? Well, if God would come through, if God would just deliver me, if God would just change the way she treats me, if God would just, you know, help me, you know, get that, that pay, pay raise. It's always on God. But see, this puts the responsibility on us. This is not what I see. 
That's how I see it. Come on, stay with me. Stay with me. You want the responsibility of making the decision. The miracle is not your responsibility, but the decision is. I'm believing for a miracle, but in the meantime, I'm making decisions. Many times God, God will not perform his part until we do our part. God is waiting on us. If I remember correctly, in Matthew chapter 16, the gates of hell will not prevail against what? The church. The first time Jesus even mentions the church, it's the first time Jesus ever mentioned it. He mentions it uh, in line with authority and fighting and warfare. And we thought this was just, you know, well, whatever. Everybody's got different ideas and different thoughts on what to, you are here to fight. You are here to advance. You are in the kingdom of God to wage warfare on the devil and take back what does not belong to him. Does anybody believe that with me today? That is why you're here. And if you want to live the cushy, casual little life of just sitting around waiting to go to heaven and you wanna leave your sword uh, laying around and you don't actually wanna get up and fight for what belongs to you and fight to, to live out the kingdom life, then that's fine. But I'm telling you, I'm picking up the sword. I'm picking up the spear. I'm picking up the shield. I'm putting on the breastplate. I'm putting on the helmet. I'm shot in my feet. I'm wearing the belt of truth because I'm here to wage war on an enemy that has stuff that does not belong to him and I'm gonna fight all I can to get it back. I'm sick and tired of seeing the devil win. I'm sick and tired of seeing the devil do what he does. I'm sick and tired of watching destruction and devastation all around me and I'm not sitting on the couch waiting around for Jesus to come back to win the war when he's given me the ability to win the war. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, he said. And whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Jesus said, I'm not making that up. It's in the Bible. So God's not waiting for me. I mean, I'm not waiting for God. God's waiting for me. There's a time to get out of the prayer closet. There's a time to quit asking God to do stuff that he has authorized us to do. There's a time, and that time is now. The day's not getting any, we're, we're just getting closer to the end. We've got work to do. Whatever I bind on earth, I bind it up in the name of Jesus. It's bound up. Whatever I loose on earth, whatever I loose, I loose peace over fear and I loose uh, 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 healing over sickness. I loose prosperity over life. I loose it. I let it run free in the name of Jesus. That's my position. That's my authority in the kingdom of God. This is not religion. This is not religious stuff. This is the kingdom of God. And the, the kingdom of God suffers violent and the violent take it by force. I'm just getting you ready for kingdom rise. 
You better get ready. We cannot live beyond our perspective. You will never live beyond your perspective. Never. It's absolutely impossible to walk in the blessings and the miracles and the favor of God without first changing your perspective. You don't accidentally live this life. You're intentional with it. You get serious about it. It, be, it consumes you. It becomes everything that you live for and everything that you go after. This is, the, you, you begin to discover that what I see is not really real and there's something that I do not yet see that is more real than what I see and I'm not gonna be moved by what I see and I'm not gonna be moved by what I hear and I'm not gonna even be moved by how I feel. There is a kingdom beyond this reality, beyond this earth, beyond the treasures, beyond the wealth. There is, there is more to the story. There is more than what I can't see than what I can see. Elijah said, open his eyes so he can see. Do you not see the enemies surrounding us? But hey, when I'm surrounded, I'm really surrounded by you. That's how I fight my battles. I fight my battles not just looking at what's against me. I fight my battles knowing what's for me. And what's for me is greater than what's against me. And it cannot take me out because he will take them out first. So I stand in what I cannot see. And the life lived by what I see is the most miserable life you can live. Moved by how people talk about you and how people treat you and, 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 and all the, the challenges and the things that come against and the, the adversities in life. And, and like you thought the devil was like, oh, you're a believer? Okay, go ahead, take all you want. No, we're at war. And it's time for the kingdom to rise. But this is the thing. The kingdom can't rise without you. Everywhere you go, you carry the kingdom. Pharisees came to Jesus and said, where is this kingdom you're talking about? I don't see it. What are you talking about? What kingdom? He said, it's not neither here or there. For the kingdom is within you. The kingdom doesn't get it into the earth until the kingdom gets in you. And if it gets in you, it better get through you. It better get through you. But see, when we become more doctrinized by American culture than kingdom culture, it can't get through us. When, when I become uh, more affected by what's happening around me than by what's happening within me, I can't bring the kingdom. When I allow the, the cares of the world to become more important than the cares of the kingdom, I can't reveal the kingdom. I can't, I can't live the kingdom life. Come on, I'm calling us to rise this morning. I'm calling us to challenge ourselves, challenge our thinking, challenge our way of life. Don't just go through status quo. Don't just, don't just absorb everything that's around you. Don't just fall into the mix. Don't just become another one just like them. But you can't, because you cannot change what you become. 
I can't change the world if I become. The Israelites went into the promised land and they could not change the people around them because they were changed by the people around them. They took on their laws. They took on their ways of doing things. They took on their cultures. The book of Judges says that it only lasted one generation. The generation that went into the promised land was the only generation that lived it. It wasn't passed down to their kids and their kids became just like the ones that they were supposed to be defeating. You're supposed to overcome the Philistines, Samson, not become one of them. You are set apart. You are giving a Nazarite vow. A Nazarite vow of separation. I'm not going to cut my hair. I don't drink. Uh, you know, all the other things that came along with that. I don't do those things because I'm set apart. I'm different because I can't change what I become. Hallelujah. Guys, we are either changing what's around us or being changed by what's around us. If you start talking politics, just like everybody else around you, you're not changing the culture. You're becoming the culture around you. See, culture is either what you make or what you let. I can even make, I can either make the culture, set the culture, or let the culture. We're of a different kingdom. Go with me real quick to chapter five, 2 Corinthians chapter five, continue on going. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this, we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by Life. Now he who has prepared for us this very thing is God who also has given us the spirit of as a guarantee. Look at verse six. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in this body, we are absent from the Lord for we walk by faith, not by sight. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is sight. What you see will always keep you from what you do not see. For we walk by faith, not by sight. In verse eight, we are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be pleasant with the Lord. You want a confidence? in this life, you want an assurance in this life, it doesn't come by placing confidence in anything around you. Everything you put confidence in today will falter. You can put your confidence in the economy. You can put your confidence in relationships. You can put your confidence uh, in, in, in statuses, in positions. You can put your confidence in whatever you want on this earth, but it's not meant to hold your confidence. It will break under the pressure every time. Quit telling yourself that your spouse is supposed to make you happy. You can't find it anywhere in the Bible. Can't find it. If your happiness is built up even in your spouse, it will break every time. Quit putting your, your, your confidence and your status 
in your position and in a job. It's not meant to hold you. And the money you make today will, will, no, will no longer satisfy you at some point and they can give you a pay raise and give you a pay raise and they will have to keep you in that cycle to make you happy because the things of this life do not satisfy. The things of this life cannot hold your confidence. But when you have your confidence in your creator and you have your confidence in the kingdom of God and you have your confidence in one that will never let you down, never forsake you, never betray you, never let you go, sticks closer than a brother, then you you have your confidence in a place where it will never be broken and then you can become the influence you were meant to be instead of being influenced by everything around you. Complaining about a job because they don't pay you enough when you were meant to be the one that brings the pay to them. They should be thankful you're there and not rejoicing when you leave. And that's how we turn from a life that says, what can I get? And says, what can I give? What am I here for? What was I placed on this planet for? Worship team, if you come. What am I doing here? Why am I here? Where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. It's the hardest thing about this job. It's not just the job, it's a calling, but as a job and as an assignment from the Lord, the hardest thing is to watch people with potential throw it away. Watching the enemy influence people that ought to be influencing them. Come on, we're in a kingdom. I said, we're in a kingdom. The kingdom of God. And we're here to advance the kingdom. Yeah, there's challenges. Yeah, there's struggles. There's trials. I have found out that the team that wins works just as hard, if not harder, than the team that lost. They're both sweaty. They're both bloody. They're both wore out. They're both barely can pick. Just because we're victorious doesn't mean we won't endure some challenges. In fact, Jesus said himself, you will have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer. What is that? It's not what I go through. It's how I go through it. It's perspective. Jesus is talking about perspective. Perspective. Not what I see, how I see it. Not what I have, but how I see it. Not what I'm in, but how I see it. Everyone stand up with me. Stand up with me. I want us to have a perspective renewal today. And let me tell you, it doesn't happen in a moment. I could come all around every single person in this room, lay hands on you, pray for you, speak in other tongues, wouldn't change you. You've got to change it. But I hope I've gotten you on a path today to take the first step today that says what I see is not really how it is. What I'm in, it's not really how it is because greater is he that is in me 
than he that is in the world. I'm going to take my, my place. I'm going to take my position. I'm going to stand in my authority. I'm going to walk in my liberty. I'm going to live in the freedom of the kingdom of God. It doesn't have to stay the way it is. But God is working more on what's in you than what's around you. Don't abuse the purpose. Don't abuse the potential. Don't walk away from the process because you don't like the season you're in. Allow God to do the work that He needs to do in us so that God can do the work in the earth through us. Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's message. If there is any message that you have missed or you just want to hear again, they are all available for free on iTunes. Just search Anchor Faith Church Valdosta and be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified once the new messages are available. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our church and what we have available for you and your family, or if you'd like to donate financially to the ministry, be sure to visit our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.